Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Rob Lux. Rob is the co-chief executive officer and chief operating officer of Senlar, the United States leading loan subservicing provider. In this role, Rob's responsible for Senlar's operations and technology, business development, client management, human resources, legal, corporate communications, and marketing. He joined Senlar in 2017 as the CIO, the chief information officer, and was appointed EVP and COO in 2019. Prior to his time at Senlar, Rob was the chief information officer of Freddie Mac for seven years, where he was responsible for all of information technology. I look forward to hearing more about Rob's journey from CIO to co-CEO, his vision for the future of Senlar and the advantages he believes there are as a CEO with a technical background, among other topics we might cover together. Rob, welcome back to Technovation. It's always great to speak with you. Thank you, Peter. Great to speak with you. But first, a quick word from our partner, Adyen, and the company's chief operating officer, Cameron Zaki. Adyen is a payment platform company that allows businesses to accept e-commerce, mobile, and point-of-sale payments. And Cameron wanted to provide a short overview of what Adyen has to offer. Cameron, over to you. Thanks, Peter. It's one global platform on which you can do many continents and countries, all the relevant payment methods, which vary significantly across different parts of the world to online and physical world or mobile. And we've continued to expand from there. If you go to a dinner party and people ask you what you do when you say this, they're like, that sounds like common sense. Why is it unique? The reality is that a lot of the players who've been around for decades have grown on mainframe computing, releasing once or twice a year, buying other companies, and then they give you one API. But behind the scenes, it's a bit of a spaghetti mess, unfortunately. What IDN did and what we do is sort of really do the backend plumbing that is a little less sexy at times, but really makes the difference in being able to say, hey, it was Peter. Do you know that he you know, shops online and on mobile and in your store and you can recognize him and you can connect all the dots and it's not just enabling the payment, but it's, hey, how do you factor that into loyalty and marketing and all kinds of other use cases? Thanks, Cameron. And now on to the interview. Excellent. Well, uh, Rob, for those who may be less familiar with Senlar, I provided the briefest of, of introductions to the company. Uh, provide a little more detail, if you would, as to the business you're, you all are in. Yeah, sure, Peter. So Sendler is a privately owned wholesale bank, and uh, we're the nation's leading mortgage subservicer. So what that means is we service mortgages uh, where we provide all the administrative functions related to a homeowner's mortgage. That includes sending statements, processing payments, handling the escrows if they have them, and uh, escrows cover the insurance and taxes on that property. So Sendler has over 100 clients. Made, made up mainly of banks, credit unions, and other financial institutions of all sizes. And we work directly with homeowners on behalf of our clients, uh, and we manage over 2 million loans. That's a great overview. Thank you for that. Uh, and, and I mentioned at the outset, you're a co-chief executive officer, uh, not always our CEOs uh, paired with other CEOs. Uh, right. Talk a bit about that that uh, relationship and and how you've uh, you know what you carved off versus your peer and and, and what uh, what he has done well you know so i'm i'm the co-ceo the other co-ceo and the president is jim darris so i'm the junior partner in the relationship uh jim's a great guy jim's grown up in banking he he has significant banking experience from chase and dime and a number of other institutions and as i said at the outset you know Sinlar is a bank so, um, you know, Jim basically is he, he's responsible for all, all the financial stuff, uh, including like FP&A, uh, financial plan and analysis, accounting, 
bank operations, treasury, but he's also responsible for risk and audit. Jim, uh, all, in addition to having all that banking background, was also formerly our chief risk officer at one point. So, um, you know, and, and just to give you some further background, you know, we both have very big shoes to fill. Uh, our predecessor, Greg Tornquist, he just retired this past summer. Greg was with Sendler for 35 years and just had a long history of success. So, you know, we owe a lot to Greg here at Sendler and uh, Jim and I are doing our best to like fill those shoes. Very interesting. And, you know, you and I, we've known each other for a while and, you know, you've been a technology executive multiple times over. I mentioned the prior post before Senlar um, as CIO of, of Freddie, Freddie Mac, he came over to Senlar as chief information officer. I know for you, it was kind of a, a goal, a dream to be a, a chief information officer. And, and I wonder now in the, the post that you have with the responsibilities I listed off a moment ago, um, what you see is uh, some of the advantages of, of being a technologist in, in, a, in a role like yours currently. Yeah, I, I, I actually aspired my whole career to be a CIO, and uh, I was lucky enough to achieve that goal uh, a while back, as you mentioned. But, you know, as a CIO, you get to view the entire business instead of just pieces of it. You know, you get to see it from front to back. You understand uh, get to understand what the issues are in terms of uh, the business processes and some of the pain points for the business. It's it's very similar to how CFOs are able to see all parts that contribute to the overall business, which is probably why so many CFOs in the past promoted to CEO. Um, in today's world, especially in financial services, the industry I'm in, technology plays such a key role. It, it, a lot of uh, uh, CEOs I've worked for have said, we're really a technology company masquerading as a financial services provider. So uh, those financial services companies need to leverage technology to digitize their businesses and provide consumers with the experience they've become accustomed to. You know, there's one-click interactions versus having to go through a litany of uh, paperwork. So coming up the ranks of technology has really helped me learn to identify areas where we can deploy technology to enable the business. Um, for example, when the pandemic started in early 2020, uh, March of 2020 to be specific, our call center, uh, it was inundated with calls, obviously. Uh, so we had to train and add hundreds of additional agents, but it really didn't stem the situation. It really didn't improve our response times to those callers. Uh, but in the meantime, we, we actually deployed in early 21 uh, a completely new call center technology platform, and we were able to transform that call center into now where it's one of the best performing in the industry. Um, so by giving uh, those agents better tools to do their jobs, we we're actually able to significantly improve the uh, customer, the consumer experience with a lot fewer agents, actually. So, and we've also deployed a wide variety of digital tools to provide the homeowners with information so they don't need to call us. So that that's just like an example of, you know, how getting that knowledge of the business and uh, understanding how to combine technology with the business to enable digital experience, it, it just really helps. It really helps significantly. Yeah. And I, I mentioned also, uh, great examples, by the way, I really appreciate you bringing, bringing that to life uh, to a greater extent also. I, I mentioned also at the outset, um, Rob, that you uh, your post between uh, the, your current one and, and your original one with the company was a COO, uh, a right. set of responsibilities you continue to have. Talk a bit about that jump, if you would. There have been a number of technologists who've had operations ex uh, experiences or have grown into COO roles. Um, talk about the logic of that step or that progression, if you will. 
Yeah, as, as I mentioned, I really didn't aspire to move out of my CIO role, but like events kind of overtook me. Uh, so I came to sell our, to focus strictly on IT, but it allowed me to learn a lot about uh, Semlar's business end to end, as well as gaining an understanding of what our clients' needs were and, and those of the, the consumers, the homeowners. So um, when I started here, um, instead of sitting in the executive office with the, you know, the CFO and the CEO and so on, I wound up actually, I wanted to sit with the servicing operations team over and it actually it was in a different building. Um, but that allowed me to naturally absorb what they do and get a better feel for the business and what their challenges were. Um, so when the uh, former CEO departed, um, I kind of guess I was the obvious choice because I had kind of an end-to-end -end understanding of both the business and how technology could enable the business. Um, now, frankly, I, I for, for those old enough or no, no history, I, I felt a bit like Harry Truman must have felt when FDR passed away. Right, I was kind of thrown in into the role a bit, and uh, you know I had never been a COO, so uh, I really had to lean heavily on uh, the former CEO Greg and other leaders here, and they provided enormous help and supported me during the you know sometimes painful transition. They helped me learn about the business where I didn't really understand certain things. They helped me make the best decisions possible. So, and and it's not done. I'm still learning every day, and I enjoy that. And you know, like they like if former CIO once said to me, when you're done learning, you're done, right? So I, I feel like you know, every day I, I keep learning and it helps with the progression and whatever my title is, you know, that's your job is to learn and to apply those learnings to strengthen your business. That's a great advice for anyone, uh, certainly as, as their career progresses. I, I wanted to also ask you, you know, you and I've talked a bit about the the importance of developing a strong relationship with the board. And uh, I wonder, you know, somebody who's had reason to, to, to interact with and influence a, a number of boards now, what are some of the things that, um, that you believe to be some of the most important factors in so doing? Well, you know, the, the thing I, I always want to be close to the board and keep, keep in touch with them and make sure that uh, there's transparency and open lines of communication, uh, because, you know, you need to gain the confidence and support of your board. If you lose that, or if there's question there, you're going to have a lot of issues. So, um, at, at both here at Senlar and prior to this, uh, I, the first thing I did was create a uh, board technology group. I asked board directors if they'd be willing to uh, be part of this informal group where we'd meet and discuss things like, you know, key projects, what's going on with cybersecurity looking at some of the performance metrics of IT, what are the things we're working on, you know, just technology subjects. And at both uh, places that I've done this, uh, that's evolved into what is, you know, a board tech, a formal board technology committee. We've got one here now. It's, it's chaired by one of our board directors. Uh, our chairman is on that te technology committee. And it's now a formal uh, thing where they, they go through and they uh, make sure that we're discussing technology-related matters. Back to financial services companies, technology is a key. So you need to make sure that you're talking about things that are uh, uh, transforming the organization, but also some of the things that you're doing to defend the organization against cybersecurity threats and other threats that are out there. So I, I highly recommend um, getting a few 
board directors, uh, building those relationships with them, both inside and outside of board meetings. And then, at least for me, the having a board technology group where you meet on a regular basis has, has significantly helped. Well, speaking of technology, you, you now have a, another person who runs technology as Chief Information oh. Officer, Steve Taylor. I wonder if you could take a moment and describe your relationship with him. It must be unusual in as much as, uh, you know, he has a predecessor still with the the organization. Um, you, you, I remember actually way back when in your time in Freddie Mac, we were at a conference together and you used to joke that every new CIO, the first thing that almost their responsibility to do is to talk about the mess they've been left by a predecessor. Well, in Steve's case, uh, his predecessor is still in the building. And so <laughs> he probably isn't quite at, uh, at li- as much liberty, oh. perhaps, to, <laughs> to, to do the three rules, right? You know, uh, uh, blame your predecessor, reorg, and then put together three envelopes for your successor, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, not averse, he's not averse to blaming his predecessor. So that's, you know, he's a great guy. And I, he's also a great CIO. And, and Steve's been a longtime friend. I met Steve way back in the early 2000s. When we were both at GMAC Mortgage, he, he worked for GMAC as an employee. I was with EDS, Electronic Data Systems, now part of HP, which uh, uh, G, GMAC outsourced all their IT to uh, EDS. So we got to know each other. And, and um, it was about like uh, in 90 days after I started at Senlar, I, you know, I put together my 90-day plan. I looked at my observations. And I, I Steve was in town, so I asked him to swing by just kind of look at my initial observations and add his own. And he provided some great insights uh, that I had, I totally missed. And uh, so I kept in touch with Steve uh, since that time. This was back around circa, you know, 2018. And when the opportunity presented itself, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to convince Steve to come work here. And, uh, you know, I, I rely on Steve to build a, a great team. He, he, I think he had herded some really great people. He's brought in some other great people and also to get things done. And he's great at both that, those things. He, he really uh, is great as far as a leader for a team and then getting stuff done with that team is you know, paramount. And, and he's really, really adept at both. Plus, I, I like the way Steve is always thinking a few moves ahead. He, he sets that vision with the team. And, and, and he commits to our operating committee and our board. And then he just goes and executes. You know, so um, just to give you some examples, like, you know, under Steve's leadership, uh, we've migrated all of our technology to the cloud. You know, we we are probably one of the few banks that could say that, that we are all in on the cloud. And we, we have a handful of things that are still sitting in our hosted data center. But but that that journey to the cloud has helped us now. Uh, get the ability to like raise the game in terms of the tools that are available to us uh, around, like we talked about security and other things. Um, yeah, we've, we've just really significantly improved our, our foundation by being there. Um, and then also, you know, just as a former CIO, I'm very empathetic to the challenges that a CIO has to endure. Uh, but, you know, Steve's been very successful at leveraging technology to enhance, you know, similar for both our clients and their homeowners and our employees. So I really don't, you know, I, I don't have uh, much to help have to defend him or protect him because he's done such a great job. Well, what, what a luxurious situation that you've got that uh, shared history, but also shared uh, set of responsibilities in this this organization where you no doubt have uh, an ability to. To, to speak at, at a level that that perhaps you didn't have uh, with with predecessors uh, who you reported to 
when you were a chief information officer. I wanted to also ask you, Rob, as you look to the future, what trends excite you? Um, what are some of the things that are beginning to make their way onto your roadmap? Well, it's not on Senlar's roadmap per se. I'm kind of speaking for Rob right now in terms okay. of you say what excites me for the future. Yeah. But I got to say, you're going to laugh. I really think this Bitcoin thing that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto described in that white paper is really exciting. I, I know people are like, are you out of your mind? It's probably too exciting in the recent months for cryptocurrency speculators. But I really think that blockchain and uh, distributed ledger technology has great promise. I mean, it, it's for digitizing peer-to-peer transactions. I'll give you an example, Peter. Um, this weekend, I had to get some documents processed for my mother. And, and uh, so we both had to drive to a notary. We had to both provide them with proofs of identity. Then we both had to wet sign the documents so that the notary could you know, take out a stamp and stamp it that we're good. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of like, how long has this been around? So I went back and I looked it up. And it's been around like since prior to actually 1300 in London. It started around the 1300s. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't have a Gutenberg press in that you know notarization <laughs> office. Right. <laughs> so to me, like, not you know, blockchain, it, it could and should eliminate this practice where because it has the ability to provide immutable evidence that both parties participating in a transaction are valid and that the transaction is properly recorded it's an immutable transaction you know it, the fact that we have to still do this in this day and age is is kind of nuts so i i think it has you know and i'm not talking about re- remote online notarization where you basically do the same thing but you do it over like video i'm talking about using distributed ledger technology for things like this so I, you know, while I don't own any cryptocurrency and I wouldn't recommend it as an investment, um, I absolutely see that the foundation it's built on having a place in the future uh, in, in terms of uh, enabling transactions between parties, like the one I described, right? So, you know, I, I just think that that is something that's an emerging technology that obviously is in the trough of disillusionment, as Carter would say, but I, I definitely think it, it's going to have a place in the future. Um, do you want to, I mean, I, I can go into some others. That, Please. You know, inter- yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, obviously artificial intelligence, machine learning, they're growing in power every year. When way back in the stone ages, when I started in technology, there was this program, you can Google it. It probably still is out there somewhere, Eliza. Um, and it simulated, it simulated like an analyst, a psychologist, uh, uh, talking to you. You type in phrases and it would respond to you with things like, well, very interesting. Tell me more. Right. And it was pretty slick. It was cute, but it was just a bunch of canned phrases that were pumped into this program to interact with you. Well, you know, these days machines are becoming more perceptive and subtle in what they can do versus just parroting random phrases. So in financial services, you know, we're using this technology to interact with consumers. You know, we've got a, a chat bot which actually it wasn't uh, recommended by Steve or me. Actually, I was kind of the uh, Luddite who was like, who would ever interact with a bot? You know, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, Lou, Lou Sigillo, who runs our contact center, was like, oh, I've had experience with bots when I was at Verizon. I think we should put a chat bot out there. And we've done it. And it's been unbelievable in terms of the uptake. You know, I was like totally wrong. It, it, it basically, uh, so 80 85% of the folks that interact with that chatbot never punch through to an agent. And their satisfaction on the survey, the post-chat survey, is over 95%. So they 
they are using this to self-serve. It runs 24 by seven. It's just been like an outstanding example of, you know, how we can use, and we're, and we're constantly training that bot to learn more about our business. We're, we're going into tax season now in the year, people are going to want their uh, 1098s and, and, and tax statements. So we're training the bot to answer those questions. If someone wants to interact with them versus having to deal uh, with a phone call, they can just punch up our bot and deal with it and get their get their 1098 without having any muss or fuss. So, you know, I think that that's just one component, obviously, of AIML. There's a lot more sophisticated ones related to data mining and so on. But, you know, just to give you an example of how we're using it to um, basically get borrowers the information, the homeowners the information they need without having to interact uh, directly with us. Great examples all. Thank you so much, Rob, for, for sharing those. I wanted to also ask you, as someone now who's been a, uh, a CIO uh, multiple times over, a, a COO, a CEO, um, as you reflect on your career journey, uh, clearly one of the things that, that has benefited you is being a lifelong learner, as you pointed out. You didn't rest on the laurels of the degrees you have uh, in either undergrad or graduate degrees. Uh, you, you know, rest on the laurels of accomplishments you know, at one stage uh, of, of your journey, but rather continue to strive to learn along the way. I, I wonder if there are other things you would call out as difference makers for you on your pathway to bigger sets of responsibilities. Um, what else comes to mind, Rob? Well, you know, a lot of times when you you talk about, you know, transforming anything, every, people go to the three things of people, process, and technology. And, and you, you know, focus on those three areas when you want to transform and, and grow. And if I were to weight those three items, I'd say at least 80%, I'd put 80% of the weighting to people, right? If you get the right people, we've talked about Steve, I mentioned Lou, we've got a great team here at Senlar. And you know, to me, if you hire the right talent and you give them the resources they need to succeed, and then you, you do exception processing, you help them remove roadblocks, may occur, but you kind of get out of their way and let them do their jobs. Um, yeah, the, that's when the magic happens. And so I, I would really say that the secret to as much success as I've had over my career is due to the people who, who've been you know, gracious enough to be on my team during that time. It's, it's really all about the people. Well, great insights. Uh, Rob Lux, thank you so much for joining me today, sharing a bit about your career path, the interesting things you and the team are doing. Uh, at Senlar, uh, the progress, the progression from one stage of your career to the next, and uh, certainly some good advice for others who I, I'm sure will would hope to wish to, to, to follow in your footsteps in one way, shape, or form. But as always, uh, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you, Peter. I really appreciate it.